Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, dueling questions with Herman Bryant, Freebie Collectibles. A lot of times when I'm lining up something, I just say, get some questions ready, and then I try to figure out some questions that would be meaningful to ask the other person. So again, each one of these is different. I enjoy them. Thanks, Herman. Thanks, sponsors, Tops, Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Hugs and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Comsi.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here's the dueling questions. When you first started collecting, who would you say was your biggest enabler as far as just keeping you in the cards, collecting, or who got you your cards? Me. <laughs> I had a little <laughs> brother, too, but I had a dad and I had a mom. My dad, the good example, he was that he loved baseball. He loved all sports. He still does. He's 96 now, but he loved sports. He played a lot of baseball, and he had collected cards when he was a kid, and I got his cards when I was 10 years old. My grandmother gave them to me. Okay, Now, my mom loved sports, too, but she would not let me play with cards unless it was raining or a foot of snow outside. Otherwise, I had to be out playing playing the sport. He said, you're not going to look at the cards. You love baseball cards. You go out and play baseball. I don't know that I had that thought that I wanted to stay inside. If it was raining or snowing real bad. So consequently, she made it like a scarce commodity, like it's a privilege to be able to, it's like the Tom Sawyer thing, you know, to paint the fence or something. I might let you participate in that. I love baseball. All my buddies collected. I moved around a lot. Every place I moved seemed like the friends collected. So my mom thought it was a wholesome activity. It wasn't bad or anything. I think she thought it was better than comic book. And again, like I said, she loved sports. My dad obviously had collected. He was a kid. And so my mom just, her main thing was she didn't want me leaving them out. She wanted me to put them away. So if I got them out and I was messing with them, organizing them, sorting them, whatever, that at the end of the day, I needed to put them up. And I didn't one time and she pitched some of them and I Ooh. learned my lesson. So she was my negative en enabler, Herman, <laughs> in a nice way. She's still around too. She's 96 and a half as well. So my mom and my dad, my little brother, shout out to him, four years younger than me. And so when I was given up on collecting, along comes my brother and he collects. And so it makes me aware that they're always cards. Then my first guy in the organized hobby was Gervis Ford, who was the top collector in the Dallas area. When I was in college, he put ads in the campus paper and I responded to him and I, I would have sold him cards, but I didn't have them with me. They were with my parents. And then I changed my mind and we just got to be friends. He and I organized the first card collecting club here in Dallas in the early 70s and the first card show in the early 70s and stuff like that. He became a great friend. So I guess I did have some models. So good question. Okay. If you could change one thing about the hobby, or if I could change one thing about the hobby, in your opinion, what could you do or I do to make the hobby, the industry better, either safer, more fun, more profitable? Is there anything that sticks up? We love the hobby, but it isn't perfect. Is there anything you could think of that you and I could do, I could do, you could do, or somebody could do to make it better? I would think that you would want to keep promoting it to the younger generation. Because you have older people that send it, which I say older, I'll be 50 next month, but we've been doing it a while. You've been doing it a lot longer than I have. And we just get set in our ways. And you have the, the younger generation that comes in. They may not collect like us, but they're collecting. But it's like... Some of them come in and they're the same way that I was when I came in. I wanted everything. Yeah. I wanted the, the, the newest, biggest rookie. And that's the way a lot of them are. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just way more expensive now. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Back then, the biggest rookie may be $20, $25. Now it's $2,500. I know. But it, it's got to be that the, the 
people that's been in a while can not necessarily look down their nose at the way they're collecting because they're still in the hobby. They're still opening packs. They're still keeping it going, as you may say. But That is something you and I could do. It's just to be an encouragement to the next generation and not telling them, hey, you're not doing it right. You're not doing it the way we did it. So I hear you on that. I think it's a simple thing, but boy, they'd really make an impact. These young kids, that's true of everything in life. They just want to do it the way they want to do it. I want to do it the way everybody does. And then as you get older, some of the stuff is based on wisdom. Good answer. Okay. If you hadn't used your hobby as a career in your past, do you think that you would still be in the hobby today? If I had not started a company, so I just would be a hobbyist. Because like in the early 70s, mid 70s, late 70s, before I was doing price guides, I was a really active dealer. And so if I hadn't started Beckett Publications and done the price guides, <clears throat> nobody's ever asked me that, Herman. And that's a really insightful question. I think yes. I think from the minute, once I got into the 70s and I became an adult collector and enjoyed buying and selling cards, I think I became a lifer before I started doing a price guide. In fact, the reason I did a price guide, because there wasn't any sense that it was going to make any money. It just needed to be done. I thought I could do this. Some people were asking me to do it. I know I could do it. And it's because I thought this is going to be my lifetime. Yeah. I thought at some point in the seventies, actually it was when I was done with graduate school. And so when you're done with all your school, it's time to go to work. I think I always thought this would be a side gig. I didn't think it would be my main gig, which it was some years later. But I love being a teacher. My first real career job that I had, aside from being an officer in the Army, being a professor, you had the summers off if you didn't want to teach. And you had class schedules in college to where you could take off on the weekends. There were a lot of teachers that were involved back in those days, high school teachers, college teachers, whatever, because it was really conducive to being able to have the side gig. And yeah, I think if I had not gone into it vocationally, I would still be, I probably would not be as involved. And what it allowed me to do, because I did all those price guides, is like when I'm looking in the dollar box, I know what's worth more than a dollar. And most people wouldn't because they didn't do all those price guides and spend all that time. And so Rich Klein can do that. I can do it. A few other people can do it. Other people are just picking out things they like. And I'm trying to pick out things that I think are undervalued. And they know I'm doing it. It's not criminal. I'm using the knowledge. But I think I would have wanted to have that knowledge anyway. I mean, like I said, before I did the price guides, people were asking me because I'm good at numbers. But I think I would still be doing it. Thanks for the question. That's a new one and a good one. Okay. Following up with that. So I told you my lane or my knowledge or my specialty is the relative pricing of cards. And so that's an advantage I have because I've spent my 10,000 hours, more than 10,000. What do you think your specialty is or your lane? or your expertise, your knowledge? Is it Braves cards? Is it Freddie Freeman? How broad or narrow is it that you think, hey, I got this? Because I have areas where I think I really understand this stuff. So is there a, a lane that you think is yours? It doesn't have to be only yours, but so what do you think? I'm not as keen on pricing as some people would be, and especially not as, as well as you. But And like I said earlier, I don't really collect anything outside of Braves. So I guess the Braves teams are my lane, more specifically, Freddie Freeman's and Dale Murphy's. Every once in a while, there'll be a Freeman card come up that I like. I had never seen this before. Didn't know it existed. But Freeman cards is one thing that I'm always looking for. I'm always researching, as well as most any other Braves. So I wouldn't say that's my lane, and I guess that's what you'd call it. But outside of that, I build the top set every year. That's okay. Set collecting. Okay. Would you cut off your Freeman collecting or will you still take some Dodger this year? I've actually already picked up my first two Freeman in Dodger uniform. 
I'm not going to criticize you. The other example for that is if that's your lane and somebody shows up at your doorstep or you bump into somebody and they say, you know what? I used to collect, but I'm not collecting anymore. And I'd like to sell you my cards. And I just want 10% of the value, but they're hockey cards (laughs) or soccer, something you don't collect. Would you still do it? Or would you just say, hey, that's not for me? Or would you say, hey, I'll buy them and I'll just throw them on eBay? So yeah. if something that wasn't in your lane, would you still buy it and then transact it? If it was something like you said, like something like hockey or soccer that I know, you know I really don't still don't know a whole lot about hockey, even though I did start watching it when sports was a little limited. But I still don't know enough about it, especially the card side of it, to even try to think about doing anything like that. So. Probably, that would well, probably be an easy pass for me. That's a great answer for people listening to realize that you don't have to say yes to everything. If you're not self-aware enough to know I'm good at this, I understand this, but I don't understand that, it's okay to just say no. I wish I'd just said no a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> I bought some collections that, oh, uh, gee, yeah. Okay. Was there a time when you had the publication or after that you went through a, ah, I'm not going to really collect anymore right now? Not necessarily get out of it and sell everything, but just didn't have an interest in looking for anything new. I don't think so. There was a time when I was still in the company to where I had a heart attack. So after my heart attack, I really moved upstairs to less going to card shows and stuff like that. So that was forced on me. So I was not doing the day-to-day pricing anymore. I was just a CEO, which I didn't really like. So then I wasn't doing cards. We had a conflict of interest policy for our company. I couldn't really be buying and selling cards a bunch when we're doing price guides. But after I sold the company, I thought we can buy cards now if I want to. And so I'd missed it, Herman. I'd missed it. So I thought, this is cool. I want to do this and I'm not going to move the market or anything. I'm not buying huge amounts, but I'm going to have fun with it. And I missed it, sentimentally missed it. I really enjoyed the 70s. My decades of collecting, not when I'm in my 70s, but the 1970s, before I was doing price guides, it was just a simpler. Of course, prices were lower then too. So I don't think I would just be selling my cards. I like the stimulation of buy, sell, trade. I want to still be buying some. I would trade some and I need to sell some more. The only break I took was kind of like after my heart attack, I was still very involved in the industry. But it was all, it's like I'm reading reports about cards. I'm looking at pictures of cards, but I never get to hold the cards. Pick up the cards. So now I get to do anything I want to do, and I'm really enjoying that. And it's not a big deal to me if I'm buying a $1 card instead of a $100 card, instead of a $1,000 card or more. I get a kick out of getting a card that I don't have that I like. And I like to get it for less than what it's worth. But, you know, that's not everybody. Some people like to pay the full value of what it is and hope that it's going to go up. I don't. I'd rather get something good cards. I don't want to just get discounted cards that nobody wants, but I want cards that I think are good that either are maybe undervalued or at a discount. Okay. Have you been to a national? No, I haven't. Okay. A couple were in Atlanta, but that was in the 92 and 98 or 99, something like that. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. Anyway, my point 92, is- 92, I wouldn't have been able to because I was in the process of getting married in 98. I probably wasn't fully in the hobby okay. at that time. Okay. So the next Nationals in Chicago, and somebody said, Herman, you need to go. My question to you is, because you've heard the stories, how many days would you think you would need to stay there to do it justice? Given the um, fact that you're mainly a Braves guy, Freeman, 
but it's a huge show and you've heard the stories. If somebody said, hey, you get to go up there and you can spend an hour, that's a joke. On the other hand, spending all five or six days, what do you think you'd want to do? And your wife may want to go with you and have a little Chicago vacation, Windy City. But if you were going, what do you think the minimum time you would need to really have an experience that would be wonderful? For starters, we've already had this discussion. I've already planned on going next year. All right. Um, I've already looked into the rooms and transportation and stuff. But And that was my question to her. If I go, why don't you go with me? And she's like, if I ever get on a plane the first time, it's not going to be to go to Chicago. But I thought about this week, too. Is And I wouldn't want to go necessarily be there on the Tuesday because that's like a builder setup. And we used to, it's like a half a day. So I would probably shoot for Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Okay. Maybe come in Wednesday, catch a little bit at the end. But And I'm sure there's probably a few things there that I would find interesting to pick up. But I'm like a lot of other people. If I went, I think my main priority would be, or not priority, but the main thing I'd be looking forward to is to meeting people that I've come to know on Twitter, YouTube, people that, you know, like John Newman, Brad, yeah, yeah. Uh, even Ken. Me and Ken's never met in person. I actually got to meet Bo. When I flew up to Wisconsin and he took me in for his Madison show, I think I would have to at least set aside a day and a half or something like that because I think that's a big part of it. We had a hobby hotline dinner in Atlanta City. <clears throat> right. We were on the stage on Friday. I like your strategy Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sunday, if you were going to be buying cards, there were some deals to be had on Sunday. And you know exactly what you're looking for. So you mm-hmm. would know what you would want to make offers on. And if it's still there, you could get there's some good deals. But Thursday and Friday were outstanding days. Saturday was still a great day, but Saturday's not always better than Friday at the National, which is unusual. But I'm looking forward to it myself, Herman. It's going to be great. I look forward to seeing you up there. And it's in a ways now. I think there'll be great anticipation for having a fabulous show, the way things are going. Yeah, I've told John several times, I've started putting back and charging myself a hobby tax for anything that I buy and put back to make the trip. So... Well, he's an amazing guy. If you've not met him, he, in person, he's exactly what you think he would be. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of larger than life and very accommodating and great attitude of telling like it is, but being positive too. Good man. Herman, thanks for sharing some time with me and some questions with our listeners and forward to seeing you. And if you don't come to the Dallas show, then I'm hitting all those, which is also a great show. The National will be a good opportunity to meet me and lots of other people. So that'll be fun.